0: Listening to the Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White.
1: Welcome to the Cooler Ring, a podcast for manufacturing marketers, brought to you by Cooler Partners. My name is Jeff White, and joining me today is Carmen Perry. Carmen, how are you doing, sir? All is well. All is well, and you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Uh, it's good to be uh, recording
2: another show, and and, um, and uh, I think today, uh, you know, it's. Everybody, look. Content is king. You know, everybody wants to talk about content and marketing, and not that that's new. Um, but for B two B manufacturers, uh, you know, the, the, to say that they struggle the more that content gets technical would be um, perhaps yes. an understatement. <laughs> I mean, it, it, often it's uh, just a decision of of of, of almost not producing technical content at all because they think if they do it it's just going to be wrong yeah no absolutely. does that make sense it
1: really does i mean it doesn't make sense but it is what we see <laughs> it is certainly the case for most organizations or at least many and and
2: yeah and and um so I, i'm excited for today's guest because i i just uh, I, I like uh chatting with folks who uh have uh have cracked the technical content nut as it were
1: and have done so in an interesting innovative way so um
2: yeah let's, yeah, let's dive will, in. Well,
1: and, I, and I think, too, what what's particularly interesting is that every time we see somebody who's doing this well, they're often coming at it from a different perspective, which our guest is as well. Mm-hmm. You know, he he's a bit of an accidental marketer. Yeah. Really, which I think is what's so interesting. <laughs> yeah. So interesting. Anyway, um, enough about that. Why don't we get uh, get him introduced? So joining us today is Greg Paulson. Greg is a Director, of Applications, Engineering, and Marketing at Zometry. Welcome to The Cooler Ring. Hey, thanks so much for having me.
2: It's awesome to have you on the show, mate.
1: Um, but why don't you uh, first, uh,
2: I, I think a lot of our audience will have heard of Zometry uh, by this point, but uh, maybe for those who haven't, uh, introduce the firm if you would and, and just tell us a
3: little bit about your, you and your role there. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, I love it when someone's like, oh, you mu- everybody's must have heard of Zometry by right now because I've been with that organization long enough where I remember the first time we got a natural mention without having to pay for it. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> I've been with Zometry for about eight and a half years now the Company's about eight and a half years old. Uh, so it, 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 checks out. Um, and, uh, it's, it's just, like I said, I, I get a giggle inside every time I hear someone say like, Oh yeah, if you guys know this, I was like, you know about us, really? That's so cool. <laughs> uh, but we've, we've definitely done a lot, uh, over, over the years. And is a, Digital manufacturing marketplace, Uh, we looked at how a lot of what I would call traditional businesses have been disrupted over the years uh, with marketplace models. I think what Airbnb has done for lodging, or what Uber has done for transportation, or what Amazon has done for retail uh, in manufacturing, a very similar story. Uh, It it classically was a local-to-local experience whether you were the buyer the person who needed stuff custom manufactured or the supplier or the person who's doing the manufacturing uh you didn't often have the reach or the know-how like you didn't have this you know omnipotent view of what the industry was to where to, where to source parts when there's available and also there's a lot of opacity uh in the response you got back i i lived in the world by the way like i am a non-traditional marketer or accidental marketer if, if you will because I was someone who's uh, worked in engineering and product development before this. I've done a lot of sourcing. I've also been a supplier myself, uh, working in advanced manufacturing, uh, additive manufacturing to be uh, particular. And I know this RFQ feedback lifecycle where you're often waiting days just to get a quote response back. And when you do from several sources, they're all over the place. So Zometry looked at this whole mess of things, these inefficiencies, within the marketplace and said, what if we just put technology just boom, right up front? And they started with digital online quoting. So instead of a RFQ wait, uh, we actually use AI and machine learning to predict the cost of parts. So you get, instead of a you know, wait and see, you get a buy it now experience on, the, on pricing uh, for uh, custom manufactured parts. Now we offer over 17 different processes. And of course, just like Uber, Amazon, Airbnb, you're nothing without a really strong supplier base. So our supply chain, instead of being just one shop, you know, and trying to limit what one shop can do, uh, which you run into capacity strains and everything else that uh, we find inefficient in the market, we are a marketplace. Uh, We are connected to thousands of suppliers that have been vetted through our system who are fulfilling the work ordered. So for customers, it's uh, kind of instant gratification on sourcing uh, custom manufactured parts uh, for the suppliers, the people who are making it. It's instant gratification on getting work on demand that fits them really well. We use you know AI matchmaking on that side, so it's a really great digital transformation for what you see in a typically uh, archaic industry.
2: I love that introduction, and I must say, I think it's the first time the word omnipotent has been used in this Mm. podcast, which, uh, you know, it it should not be the last. It's a a great word. Isn't it? it? (laughs) I'm kind of reminded of uh, uh, the little bit by uh, Stewie and the Family Guy when he's talking about God. He says, i rather like that God fellow, you know, very theatrical. (laughs) There's a plague here, some pestilence there, omnipotence, (laughs) got to get me some of that. (laughs) Anyway. I digress. We can edit this out or leave it in <laughs> in the final version, Jeff. Yeah. A, a,
1: it is the first time you've quoted The Family Guy we, in this show. We may so. need to. Uh, <laughs> we may need to pay royalties or something. Yeah, Greg. Yeah, as you mentioned, you know, I'm a non-traditional marketer. You've come at this from a, a very interesting perspective. You know, from an engineering perspective and a technical one. Um, what are you doing in the marketing function at Sommetry? Yeah, well,
3: absolutely. And like I said, I, I began when this was a startup. So if you weren't selling the company, you weren't doing your job. If you were a software developer in the startup phase, you were a salesperson. If you were the CEO, you're, you're, well, you're definitely a salesperson. So you're, you're a CEO. Uh, financial officer, salesperson. Uh, and I joined in uh, doing business development, uh, but also a lot of project engineering. And we started kind of a project engineering and support team. But we're all salespeople, right? You just That's what you have to do to grow. Um I've, I've found that in roles that I've had in the past throughout my career, I always kind of end up being the person who talks to the customer. Uh, I think uh, my former CEO at my previous company said it best where um, you could teach a good uh, communicator technical skills, but you can't teach a highly technical person how to communicate sometimes. It's sometimes much more difficult in the reverse. And uh, I've always had a knack for bridging uh, what i found as you know technical information and abstracting are translated down in a way where uh, my audience can understand what i'm talking about uh, so i love working with engineers i love working with highly technical people and i've been a sponge for that uh, but my customers you know no one knows 17 manufacturing process back and forth you know there's there's just you know there's a lot of information that you have to help uh, help them through and build it out and that's something that you know really excelled at and grown in, you know, over the years.
2: I had, um, in in the prep notes for this show, I I had jotted down that um, you, you mentioned that kind of before you kind of started this work, uh, that the marketing didn't really speak to customers particularly well. Um, and I don't want to suggest that you were being overly critical of former colleagues or anything of that nature. I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> but, 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 but it was an interesting kind of uh, observation that this isn't speaking. And, and you're just bringing that up now as that kind of being a bit of your, your secret sauce. Uh-oh. Why is it that people struggle so much in getting technical content to connect with customers? I mean, the technical content is technical because they think that the customer is technical. So in some way, it ought to, ought to be almost predisposed to being uh, to
3: resonating with them. But um, why is that a challenge? Well, for me, technical content is not a Wikipedia article. And that's the biggest difference is you can put up definitions and talk about what is. Uh, and that can be scalable And, you know, believe us, we, you know, we have content writers and engineering content writers who can build those, those articles to gain SEO and traction uh, and help the find, the searchability, the findability of these services. Uh, But something that is very, very hard to replicate is empathy. Uh, So that is writing in a way where you've been in those shoes. So it's not just what is, but. Uh, I always talk to our, our, our technical team and our content team. It's about the why. Why should I do this, and uh, the situations in which I may need to m- choose these these processes. And Zometry is in a very unique spot because we're not one shop just trying to tell you the capabilities. My my you know one page list of stuff that I can do. When you're representing thousands of manufacturers worth of capabilities, it's not what can you do because we could do basically anything. It's why should you choose one process over another? Uh, you know, what 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 are the benefits for this? When do I make a decision to change those processes to scale? And that's something that uh, very often you just have to have it learned. You have to have burned your hand thousands of times, like I have on the stove, uh, and and learned and corrected course along the way. And so when we build content at Zometry, especially the the most relevant uh, content, so things like that are on our capabilities pages, um, our design guides, uh, you know, our tech tips, uh, it's, it's because we've been there. You know, it's, it's because we've been there and we're able, we want to tell you this these things in a way so to help prevent a uh, dissatisfying experience uh, for you as a customer, as well as for like the holistic manufacturing community, uh, um, just with better intent and design and better knowledge up front. Uh, just like, you know, garbage in, garbage out, like, you know, this, this better intent up front leads to just multitudes of success on the tail end. And, yeah, I was, I was tapped on the shoulder for this. So talking about how we got to this point, um, as we were growing, uh, the, our, we did have marketing teams we uh, built. We had outsourced technical content writers. We had uh, everything that you think like a standard, you know, a standard workflow would be as you scale, right? Uh, but we also looped in uh, myself and our team of experts along the way and started building out, uh, you know, building out a kind of a review process to see what works, what kind of passes our sniff test, saying like, yeah, I would, get, I would tell that to a customer or what is this, you know, what are, what's the point here? Like, what are we really trying to do? What's the hook? You know, are we just putting words down or are we trying to put some meaning behind them? And we would help kind of build out a better message or better story. And then ultimately, I started doing some videos. Some I call them edutaining videos for for the company. Uh, I, I we have like series like the Willet series, as well as things like recorded webinars uh, and ed- other multimedia content, uh, where we we helped build decision tools and and educate in ways that we found really really entertaining. Uh, it's I've been with the company for eight and a half years, but it's the last three years really that I've been what I consider on the full time marketing t- side. So I've always been. On either sales, technical sales, or operations side of things, but at some point we scale to a point where it's like we just, you know, they're like Greg can't be part time here, (laughs) you know, at uh, (laughs) on this on this agency. Like we want you know your full time um, attention to our tech to just make sure that our marketing and our you know what we communicate to our customers is technically robust. I've got a couple
2: of questions
3: on that. I guess first things first. I want to know.
2: I mean, you've been with the company for eight and a half years, um, and no matter um, you know, how much experience one has, of course, that's that's a lot of time with one specific company, which means that you know the experience with external companies is kind of getting less and less over that time. If that makes any sense, like you're not you're not working in a you know for twenty or thirty different manufacturers in that time. You're, you're working in exometry and appreciate the big partner community, etc. My, I guess, more, the root of my question is what? What? How do you? you know what process do you have a place to kind of talk to customers to kind of make sure that that alignment is real uh, versus you just think you're talking the customer's language
3: because of you know I don't think that can happen marketers I don't know I'm talking the customer's language but
2: do they ever really check
3: yeah that's and honestly that's my biggest fear right is uh, becoming stagnant or not staying relevant uh, in the industries in which I'm you know speaking to 100% you're you're like you're like talking to my my deepest fears and you know right right now uh, as far as my career goes and I, I have had the fortune uh you know I haven't had just one position at the company right I've I've uh, had multiple positions uh, reporting to different branches uh, which has brought empathy but yeah three years in marketing you know how do I stay relevant to what our industry is which is constantly evolving uh, truthfully it's I live vicariously through our sales team our technical sales engineers. And our operations team, uh, and even our product team. Uh, so, I have—I um, don't see verticals as clearly as I think a lot of our, you know, a lot, a lot of our organi- organization does. Uh, so, I'm able to get involved and work, uh, not just on the marketing aspect, but you know, actual things like launches. Zometry—we uh, just launched five more processes, so we're up to 17 now. Because a couple of months ago. Uh, we launched uh, a series of processes that are more tuned for scaled manufacturing from extrusion, uh, die casting, uh, stamping, and, and some other processes along the way. Uh, and it's a, you know, I'm not just telling the news. like we're we're here talking about how what the customer's experience is going to be, you know, what type of materials they're going to have access to, uh, working back and forth with our, our technical experts and engineers, reaching out to our industry experts. You know, Xometry has quite the Rolodex, and I haven't even mentioned Thomas yet, which has you know 560,000 suppliers, uh, which is also which is a Zometry acquisition last December, and that's just been super exciting to kind of expand our breadth uh, as well as the services that Thomas is o- that Thomas offers from, um, you know, marketing services, website designs, and other things to help individual suppliers. Uh, but all of that, you know, my my goal is to, be, to continue to be a sponge, understand the information, you know, abstract it and fold it into you know, the pitch of zometry, uh, as well as, uh, you know, have what I call like back pocket resources, the, you know, if I don't have the answer or I don't feel comfortable with how I'm explaining it, I will a hundred percent bring in, you know, our technical engineering experts uh, in those fields or external sources to, to help validate and understand like where I, where I am, uh, and where I need to improve.
2: Understood. I'm just curious too. um, last uh, bit of this and I'm going to have to let Jeff have some of the airtime here and actually ask you a question. My goodness, I'm hogging up all the time. But I, I guess you, know, you started uh, mentioning the, the, the you know layers of, of, of oversight and review, et cetera, for this content to ensure that it resonates and it's technically accurate, et cetera. None of that sounds like a cheap endeavor. None of that sounds like an organization that's trying to skimp, and say, you know what, I know we, we did this for 25 cents a word last year, but I think we could do it for 20 cents a word this year. <laughs> you know, it, it seems like it's ex- the exact opposite of commoditization of the content. Uh, am I reading that correctly? Or do you face a lot of, um, uh, I guess, cost pressures internally?
3: Oh, and don't don't get me wrong. I mean, when we have uh, SEO content, uh, you know, we have we optimize for different efficiencies, right? So if I'm, uh, if we're building articles to get, you know, long tail SEO uh, words, we, you know, we may make something specific but short or do even like, you know, a video or something uh, around that. One of my first endeavors actually when I joined like a few years ago was just just gaining wor- uh, getting words on Garolite CNC machining, which is Ger- Gerolite is a, a fiberglass-like composite uh, that you can machine and it's hard to source, but Zometry Auto quotes it. So, like, it's one of those things where it's like we should be getting a lot of this business because we make it so incredibly easy uh, to source parts. Uh, but building just a little bit of a uh, piece of content, doing a you know a little how-to video, uh, all of a sudden, you know, you're getting page one rank on you know on some of these um, uh, some of these words. So there's there's certain things that. You know we we work strategically uh so we're not just making content for the sake of content we're working on it you know with a strategically to help build what we can in the business and you're absolutely right if you're just trying to run machine shops you're going to run into a lot of trouble and a lot of competition but there's there's other ways to work around it and, and grow your presence uh for my for my end of things i am you know i'm a full-time salary employee uh you know so i'm able to if i'm not directly building this i mean i'd be a capacity constraint and i always again my other biggest fear is always being a bottleneck right uh when we talk about this and i have a, uh, I have team members uh who are just absolutely excellent and we work you know, really well together so uh sometimes it's just checking and validating and adding like some two cents to add some of that empathy uh into those technical works but there's there are ways to scale with with checks and balances that are that are more efficient. Like it doesn't mean you have to write 100%, uh, but it does means you want to kind of put in a little bit of sniff test here and there, uh, especially on whatever uh, like I would say the main content, the stuff that you really want people to go to, because I know if they read that resource, they're gonna be just so much more prepared. In whatever process or decision making that they're going to do, so I really, really want to put a lot of time into, uh, you know, into those technologies uh, and and creating like the main pages uh, versus the peripherals uh, to just be, you know, technically rich and, and grow from there.
0: Slash sample ABM.
1: One of the things that I think is, you know, it's a bit of a giveaway talking to you right now because we're we're sharing a, a video um you know <laughs> at the same time as we're recording the audio here. And what no one else has the ability to see that I can see is that you actually have a workbench behind you. And I think you're probably the first marketer we've ever spoken with <laughs> who actually has a uh, you know, a way to actually explore things and work out, you know, what you're going to do from a content perspective and actually I would assume, build some things and solve some problems with that. Um, one of the things that I really liked about um, about your approach is that, you know, you, you just mentioned this very specific fiberglass material, you know, and you're you're finding and creating content just for that. But you also use, you know, customer surveys and other things to kind of find out where those holes are. And I'm sure, you know, just given the breadth and depth, I mean, you're covering 17 manufacturing processes here. You know, there, there's going to be a lot. Um, how do you prioritize what you create content for? And is it, you know, is it kind of a quantity of of requests, or or is it an opportunity? Are you evaluating things against revenue? Like, how are how are you figuring out what uh, what to actually build next? Yes, <laughs> that's
3: why. Perfect. All yeah, right, yeah. That's that's the that's the answer. But it's um yeah. I mean, we are a business, right? We have um you know we have we have our goals on what we want to do for for revenue, for retention, uh, and you know building building our customer base. Um, there are some things that help out a lot, right? We are connected to our suppliers, and we know what they can do, and then we know what we list on our site. So you could also see the gaps. Where uh, a great example is, um. Right on. Actually, when we acquired Thomas, we launched sheet cutting, uh, which turned out you know every shop that was doing sheet metal probably has a laser or some way of create a flinking sheet. Uh, but we didn't really advertise that directly to our customers. Uh, but we were able to go and build this out, and it's almost like a preparation step when you're forming a metal part or for you know is is just cutting it out. And expand out the you know those, those materials and processes. So we, we sometimes will look at how can we celebrate what our suppliers can do really well and economically, right? You know we we have this beautiful supply demand curve where if every one of my sheet metal suppliers can also cut a flat profile, then you know we can we could really be competitive at the market from the from the launch, uh, and that will roll into okay how do I present it to my customer? So we're launching sheet cutting not just what the technical requirements are what are the materials you know and and materials and thicknesses or gauges that we could uh, we could cut uh but also oh man if i have if i put this offering on my website i need to have content that backs you know backs up and helps our customers understand and build their expectations around what happens when i press buy and and so we, you know, we start building out that, that, uh, that content kind of for driving from our manufacturers. Uh, sometimes there are, I won't say like oddballs, but there are strategic goals that we, we can see through data. Uh, and we'll, we'll make initiatives through that, or where we we're looking to build a business unit, you know, we'll build, we'll build a prioritization to build content uh, through that. But I also want to say that we have been a content mas- machine for years. And if you're a new customer starting today, you may have not seen that super good article or that design guide that came out a few years back. Uh, So uh, we are always inventing content, but we're also building uh, automations and workflows in a way that to bring relevant content that's been created uh, to our customers to give them like a holistic experience of Zometry. So I've been in that, I've been in, you kind of get these ebbs and flows of, Uh, throughout the years with technical content where you always have to create because everything's new and then uh, at some point you get to a a stage where it may not be new to me but it's new to that new customer right and and using that content or rehashing in certain ways uh uh to to uh take one piece and turn it into like can this written piece be a guy like a poster guide? can it be a uh, video can it be you know a little audio clip like, how can we can of be a, like a, a social post and to, and taking that and, and reforming it in different ways uh, to present it in new ways. So there's, I'm, what I'm trying to say is there's a lot of ways to transform your existing content and have a work harder for you uh, than just as it's originally created.
2: I'm kind of curious, you know, I, I think when a lot of people are, um, a lot of marketers are producing content, if they think about where it kind of fits within the customer journey, is certainly, there's a strong prioritization of kind of uh, uh, buying stage or decision stage uh, content. That's where often people start. Uh, and certainly awareness stage content um, uh, is, uh, is first and foremost in a lot of people's minds. I find that a lot of marketers kind of, um, maybe they don't get to uh, the onboarding content or those kind of the early stage that when when somebody's just become a customer they're just starting to accept their first uh, deliveries or what have you uh, I, I, you know, ha, have you thought about it kind of through that lens? It seemed to me like you were kind of hinting at that, that you, some of the content that you were kind of automating and whatnot was for existing customers to help in that onboarding phase, but I don't want to put too many words in your mouth.
3: No, I, I think you're, you're absolutely right. I, uh, there was a podcast, uh, how I built this. And it was a, there, were, one of my favorite lines was when he was uh, interviewing the um, founder of Stonyfield, which, you know, makes cream and yogurt products and, uh, you know dairy products and he said the hardest part to sell is the 18 inches from the spoon to the mouth you know like just just getting getting the person to take the taste and then once you once you are there once you're there you're like the aha moment you know jumps in and uh you're absolutely right the um from an onboarding stage i i've found uh, you know throughout the years when I do a presentation, I found when I use the word instant quote, people think it's instant quote submission because their latest and greatest experience for quoting uh, was uh, was a digital submission form. And for, well, we are what well, we're actually providing is pricing and lead time immediately on our services. And so I started changing my language when I talk uh, in webinars or, you know, podcasts or other mediums to instant pricing. Even though we have like all of our website instant quoting to help kind of build a better expectation of what we what we have. But when we uh, get customers, uh, you know, kind of warm leads inside sales and they're working through a workflow. Uh, and even on our site, um, we have covered it essentially with... Uh, many places where you can find how to's, you know, quick videos to actually use the platform itself. So, yeah, I live in the technical processes, but the product marketing side is just so, so important when you are a digital marketplace platform. Uh, and um, I'm not sure if this is exactly where you're going with it, but that's something that is part of our role, too. Is not just the tech specs, like the, the what is, the why is. Uh, but building that a very quick way for people to see the how-to and get them excited about trying it themselves, because yeah, that that little distance, just a click, get a quote, and and dragging and dropping a file in, I mean, you're 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 getting quotes in seconds. Uh, so it's so it's uh, th- that time it takes for or like you know reducing the anxiety of what happens when I click here, is also part of our goals.
1: Just as a side note, I'm going to link that Stonyfield episode because that has ups and downs that, you know, so, Steven Spielberg couldn't take you on a journey as good <laughs> as that story. It is one of the best podcasts it's I've ever podcast. listened to in my life. And I aspire to be one-tenth as good of a host as Guy Raz. <laughs> but anyway.
2: Well, um, I'm
1: curious. What's the best piece of content
2: you've ever created? What's the, what's the one thing that you've written or produced or had a part in that you're like
1: that
3: eh, really that's a grand slam right there. So, something I'm really proud of and something I'm I'm working to build more of as well is a series called Will it. And uh this is a, this is a series we have a host on YouTube and we use Vimeo for uh kind of site hosting. Um and so if you're on Zometry's YouTube channel look at Engineering Challenges, that's where you're going to find these, these series of videos. I I've, I came from product development, and I've broken a lot of parts of my life, you know, on purpose as well as, like, accidentally and during different phases of testing. Um, just a real quick background, I worked in uh, ruggedized defense products, so stuff that soldiers, soldiers may use or may be installed in forward operating bases uh, and... Uh, we had military standard tests uh, throughout that, whether it's chemical compatibility, impact resistance, um, you know, hot and cold temperature tests, uh, flame retardants. Uh, and I wanted to create a series of, t- of experiments demystifying what a material can do. Because when you talk, especially on 3D printing, which has been my background, there's a huge hype curve there on you know, what 3D printing can do, and I'm like, well, I actually used it, and I've used it for 15 years in end-use applications. And I can tell you when and where to use the process for material, uh, but uh, if you don't believe me, let me show you. So I've taken these, uh, I've essentially have designed uh, material swatches depending on the experiment I'm doing, uh, and I will print them out in a variety of com- processes that are often seen as competitive processes. But I just want to put them on a level playing field by making the same design at each one of these processes or materials. And I put it through a test that is not a scientific test. It's one that builds that you could have empathy around. Like you may not know, um, for example, when I t- you know, talk about tons of pressure, you may not know what that f- that feels like, right? But you know what it feels like to smash something with your foot? You know, and, that, and so we can do that. Uh, and I know our first, our first couple wheellet tests was just like a water leaking test and, and uh, 3D printing essentially disc golf Frisbees and chucking them out of wall. And although like there's some wiggle room in the science, uh, the results really did show a differentiation of the product that we are selling uh, as well it's someone it's something that someone just can instantly empathize with. Like they know what it's like to like, what it could be like to, you know, chuck something at a wall or, um, you know, put something on the end of a power drill and like watch it kind of spin around and vibrate, uh, tumble in a cement mixer, uh, you know, and we've we've made a series of these videos uh, to explain the properties and expectations of different processes using experimental design that can be replicated you know, in your, you know, first I'm going to say, don't try this at home, but, you know, can be rec- replicated with home products. Uh, so I think that's uh, something that is a unique twist for us, uh, especially on the additive manufacturing side. But I'm really happy with those videos that we've produced. Uh, and we've had a slowdown during the pandemic just because getting on site was, you know, really difficult. But, you know, we're, you know, that's something that we hope to just do more and more of, especially as we have all these processes and we're able to you know show more materials than ever before.
2: That's, I guess what really strikes me about that is, is that, you know, oftentimes people think about technical content and they think about that the, the hurdle is to make it sufficiently technical. <laughs> like how do we make it more scientific, right? Yeah. So that we don't appear stupid in front of all of the very smart engineers who are going to be uh, consuming this content. Mm. And, and, and Greg, what your this
3: notion of bringing
2: empathy into it um, especially in this video example it
3: kind of goes runs the other way
2: of that a bit yeah. doesn't it well,
3: yeah yeah I mean yeah, the technical specs are very very good for engineering and simulation and but the truth is if you look around you how many things around you are a tensile bar none none of it is And uh, and so when we talk about design and design intent those tech specs will bring you to you know bring you so far but those are specs around tensile bars but there's a, there's a reason why you can uh, cut a steak with a plastic knife. You know, it's not just the material properties, it's design. You know, I, that, that knife, if you can look at the cross profile, is a T. It has reinforcing, you know, a reinforcing rib on it. Uh, and that's what we've tried to put into these experiments is there's a practicality there. In, in fact, actually, although we do some material sampling, I'm actually not a fan of material swatches as a sample Typically, because I'd rather, if you had a, like a larger design, I'd rather you just take a digital cutout of a piece of your design and print it or manufacture it uh, directly, because it's gonna be like that's my design in that material. It's not some little rectangle in that material that doesn't really tell you too much other than what does my rectangle look like. And that's that's something that again, I've 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 worked the practical experience for such a long time that the science does need to exist. That, that technical content that technical aspect doesn't even exist but my job to communicate is the differentiation between these products the where and why they're used and that has a little bit more of a qualitative
1: aspect to it you can educate and entertain as you said Educating, yeah yep I mean you know the next logical step with this is to go kind of where mythbusters went and if you can't break it you need to blow it up so that's, <laughs> that's the last <laughs> stage of of. <laughs> that actually
3: that's my, pre- my previous job. We call it crawl, then walk, then run. Uh where you your first start pretty gently and then you um then you start building up until essentially you're trying to slam the thing in a car door. You know, and, and uh and, and you, you your goal is to bring it up to a fa- failure mode. Uh, and by the way, I've had experiments where I thought I was gonna start gentle and then they just went hard from the get-go. Uh there's a really good one called Wheel at Tumble um that we filmed. Again, we filmed it like the film quality is, you know, it's what it is because we kind of filmed it during the pandemic and we were all like in masks and close quarters, so we're trying to, you know, play it safe there. Uh, but it, will, it is a really entertaining video where we'll we test fifteen different materials made over five different processes. Uh, and and tumbling a cement mixer, and I thought it was they're just going to be this gentle drop. No, that cement mixer only had one speed. And it was just basically just slamming these balls of materials down. And I was like, okay, so we're going to get some failures within the first fourteen seconds here, and uh, down select really really quickly on what's going to survive. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that sounds like perfect content for uh, you know people who are still twelve years old at heart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love doing on. that. Yeah.
2: Well, it's, uh, it's been fascinating. Thanks so much for sharing your uh, your experience with us today. It's been uh, really enjoyed this conversation.
3: Uh, this is this is fun to talk about. I mean, the other thing I'll say is, and I know we talked about this uh, full circle on being an accidental tour guide and, and whatnot. Is I think there is something to have, you know, technical empathy uh, to to have empathy for the customers. And one of the things that I'm really fortunate for, really, 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 really fortunate for. Is working with leadership and people within uh, um, within the company who have helped me grow the messaging and what I want to do and build it into a scalable system uh, through marketing. Uh, but that's that's not always the case, you know. And and uh, so I've been really really fortunate along my journey here, and just want to express my gratitude because we do some really cool stuff at Zometry, and uh, it's really cool to be part of that experience from the. Uh, from broadcasting the technical content to working directly with our customers and everything in between. It's a great
1: way to leave it. Thanks a lot,
3: Greg. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks for listening to The Cooler Ring with Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at coolerpartnerscom The Cooler That's K U L A partnerscom The Cooler